Grateful at least all of y'all remembered it was Daylight's savings time. We'll see in about 30 minutes who forgot. Um, But I'm glad everyone's here this morning. Um, I know everyone's a little short on sleep because we lost an hour, and so I'm grateful everyone's here. Um, It's an exciting morning. We have a short passage, but it's a really good one. It's a really deep one. Um, And so hopefully um, we'll be able to learn a lot this morning and possibly be convicted. Um, so last week, Michael discussed Luke 14, 1 through 24, um, which is the first half of the passage. We'll be studying Luke 14, 25 through 35 this morning, just those 10 verses. Um, and if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you to go back and listen to the podcasts. We talked about how we are incredibly valuable to Christ and how our worth is not based on anything that we can do. Um, but on what Christ has done for us. Our value, our value is based on God's estimate and not our own. And though we're called to be humble and lowly in spirit, that doesn't mean our value is little. It doesn't mean we have little value. But the main thought from last week that I want us to think about as we hear the, uh, what the Lord has for us today is the idea of a great reward and how that's stored up for us after, a life, after our life here passes. And I'm not going to go into great detail Things like that, but there's a you know a few rewards I'll just highlight that are incredible and amazing, and you know I know um, we may know them, but I'll just go through just to put it in perspective. Um, number one, we'll be in the presence of the Almighty God. We'll get to live forever with Christ. Um, we'll see Jesus face to face. We'll have unending joy. There will be no sorrow, no sadness, no sickness, no weeping, no lack of sleep. There won't be sleep. Um, there will be no sin, no sin at all. There will be no spiritual warfare. Um, and if you really want like a really vivid picture of what it will be like, you can read Revelation 21. But it's easy to see that the reward for following Jesus is a great reward. It's one of the greatest rewards possible. And, um, you know, it costs the greatest life, and so it should be the greatest reward. And I'll re- return to this point a little bit later, um, near the end. And for now, I'll just use a little example. Summer Olympics are coming up, right? And uh, there are a lot of awesome events. People train their entire lives just for one Olympics. Maybe multiple, but typically one Olympics for one shot at a gold medal. And that's, that's pretty awesome. You know, I, I think of one of my favorite I guess, competitions is the decathlon because it's a little bit of everything. And in my mind, the decathlon, it's, it's 10 events, um, all track and field things, and you have to be an incredible athlete to be able to win a decathlon. It's amazing. Um, the Olympic athletes put in so much training and effort. I mean, they, like I said, they train their entire lives. They sacrifice so much. I'm sure they sacrifice relationships. They sacrifice time doing other things they might want to do. They put everything, their entire focus, into training to be an Olympic medalist. And the crazy thing is, is that, say they win the gold medal, 
they can say that they're the best athlete in that sport in the world for, for four years, really. And so they train that hard for that kind of glory. Um, and so that, that takes great cost. I mean, that's a great cost to get something like that. Um, so let's keep that in mind as we move forward this morning. Um, so let's look at, look at these verses. Luke 14, 25 through 35. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has led the, laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, a, build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning. Um, thank you for this beautiful weather. Thank you for um, this place to worship you and um, this family to come and worship you with, Lord. Um, thank you for the kids upstairs. Um, just thank you for your goodness and, and grace to us. Uh, Lord, I just pray that our hearts would be open and soft this morning as we hear your word. Um, Lord, that you'd speak through me and um, just speak to our hearts this morning, God. Um, help us to, to really understand what it costs to follow you, Lord, and understand this passage clearly. Um, and, and uh, receive it in our lives and, and change the way we live, Lord. We love you. We praise you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, so, like I said, hopefully this passage is a little convicting. And to be honest, at the very beginning, it's, it's kind of like, wait a second, that's, that's pretty intense what he's saying there. Um, now, great multitudes went with them. So, first we'll look at, uh, think about Jesus had many multitudes follow him all the time. I mean, he was just this, I mean, amazing figure, if you think about it, even from just an outside perspective, not really knowing who he is. I mean, he, made, he was doing miracles, he was teaching, he was telling off the Pharisees. I mean, he was really, like, making a lot of noise around. And so people were really interested in what he had to say, whether they were genuinely interested or not. They could have just really been curious. I mean, a lot of the crowds following him were probably more curious than anything, just about to see what he was about. Um, or to even have some healing on themselves. Um, they wanted to hear his teaching and see um, what he had to say because he, he spoke so well and was such a great teacher. And so Jesus wanted to cut straight through that curiosity and really just get to the heart of everything right then, which Jesus often does. He often just will cut through all of the fluff and all the things that you think you're there for and just hit you right where it hurts. He does that quite often. Um, so here he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I was just curious, and I, I looked at that because I figured if there was any other way to translate the scripture here to not use the word hate. 
or the interpreters would have done that. Um, but there is no other way to interpret that word. It is, it's, the word is hate. And Jesus right here is just making a really strong point. And often he does that to make sure he catches your attention. And a lot of times he just makes this really crazy point that's out of the norm, that you don't expect, that really like hits you and you're like, okay, wait a second. That's, that does not sound right. What are you talking about? And so he catch, catches your attention. So Jesus is, is clearly not actually saying to hate your father and mother, to hate your brother and sister, and to hate yourself. We talked about last week how valuable we are in the sight of God and how much he loves us. So he's clearly not telling us that. And there are many other scriptures, that, which we'll look at, uh, many other verses here, that will help explain what he's trying to say here. But what he's trying to do is just get your attention. Um, what he's really trying to say, or what he's trying to, his point that he's trying to make, is that your value for Christ, the position that Christ should have in your life, should be so great that all other values and priorities in your life should not even come close to comparison. Even your family, even your, your wife, even your, your career, anything that you do should not even come close to the position that Christ has. Any other love that you have in comparison to your love for Christ should look like hatred. Um, and that's really tough to really to grasp. Other places in the Bible tell us, I mean, we know he's not telling us to hate our family because other places of the Bible tells us respect and our father and mother and um, to love our neighbor as ourselves and things like that. Um, so we've got to make sure that we have Christ the top priority in our lives. Um, and that's really a tough thing to really to, to grasp because, you know, we're so close with our, a lot of people are so close with our family. I mean, we're so close with our families. We're so close with our friends. I mean, one hope in itself, I mean, Michelle and I are very close here. We've been grateful to, to be a part of this church. We view everyone here as family. Um, and, you know, we would do anything for anybody if they asked. And, you know, when you think about it, say your, your best friend asks you to do something, you're automatically willing to do that. But if Jesus asks you to do something, are you that willing to do what he asks you to do? Um, you know, he makes sure here to hit everybody in the crowd because there are some people who might be okay with not liking their family. There might be some people who are like, okay, I can, I can do that. I can do that. Let's move forward. Let's move forward. I'm good. But then he says, you must even hate your own life. Now that, I mean, that gets everybody because who want, no one hates their own life. Um, you know, he gets everyone right there. So, Again, I want to reiterate, reiterate what was said last week, that he's not saying to like, hurt yourself or that you're so worthless and that you're just the scum of the earth and things like that. He's not saying that. What he's saying is that in comparison to your position for Christ, you have to be willing to sacrifice things that you love, sacrifice things that you care about. <clears throat> so... You know, first off, that means sin in your life. You've got to be willing to even get rid of the sin in your life. To, that's like first off right there. You've got to be willing to look at your life and see the areas that you can improve, see the areas that really um, maybe you haven't let go for Christ. Maybe you haven't let go of it. Um, you love doing it too much or you like it or whatever it is, and you've got to be willing to sacrifice that for Christ. So you've got to get rid of sin in your life. But it also means you're... You may not always be willing to make the most logical, you know, from the outside, logical choice. Um, you know, 
for me personally, it makes me think of like a career. Um, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but the the um, the house we used last year and this year, and I know we're, we use pretty frequently out on uh, Lake Lanier. It's a massive house, and this the guy who who owns it allow he rents it out during the summer and allows us to allows other church groups and things like that to use it in the off time where there's not a lot of people renting it and he he rents it out in the summer so that he can pay for the people to stay there for free. I um, mean he lets he's let us do that a couple times at least since I've been here. And uh he has a unique story and I I don't know all the details of the story but I, I remember um enough to to share what I want to share and I, I remember he, he makes a lot of money and he was he was working really hard at one point, but his whole purpose for working was sharing the gospel with his colleagues, with his co-workers. And he was working really hard and he was sharing the gospel, but nothing was really happening at work. Nothing was really happening. And so he felt like, okay, it's time to move on in this. I'm not sure if it was a promotion or a new job, but it was going to move him away from those people that he was working with. And he felt like, okay, Lord, this is where you're calling me to go. I'm going to go. One morning he was praying about it and the Lord came to him and basically told him, you need, you need to wait, don't leave. And so he denied that, that logical progression of an improvement from pay grade to position. He denied that and decided to stay. And uh, ever since then, everyone that he was working with that was not receptive to the, to the gospel has received the gospel. Um, and so, you know, even though that seems illogical in a career to not receive a promotion or not take something like that, for the sake of the gospel, and you know, it kind of sounds crazy. We must be even will, willing to do that in our career. Um, you know, I, I work at Evo Shield, and if you know, shoot, if they wanted to pay me more and promote me and move me to the other building, please, that'd be great. I'd love it. Um, but if he's called me to work on those people there, and he's specifically told me to stay, um, I have to be obedient and willing to be obedient to that, and you know, deny money. So. You know, you've got to be able to put Christ above, you know, fun, even peace. You've got to be able to put him above peace. Um, not like, I don't want to say like world peace, but I mean like peace in your life, like peace and quiet kind of thing. Um, I know I, that's one thing I love. I love to sit in our, on my couch and hear nothing. It's, it's wonderful. I love it. Um, but sometimes we've got to get outside of that comfort zone. So we've got to be willing to put him above comfort above money, above our career, and, um, you know, in that list, even above family. You've got to be willing to put Christ even above family, above your kids, above your wife, um, above your parents, um, and above yourself. So he goes on here and he says, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Um, just a, a note on what a cross was back then. I mean, it was basically a symbol of shame. It was basically this really terrible punishment for anybody who um, was a lawbreaker or anything like that, a murderer or anything. Um, somebody who the Roman government wanted to shame terribly would crucify someone on a cross and display them as they were dying as well. Um, so Christ tells us, you know, as when Christ died on the cross, he kind of turned that into a symbol of hope. And he tells us to bear our cross. And, you know, it was very difficult. It was a very painful, and it was a struggle to, to bear the cross. Christ suffered greatly going to the cross. Um, and we can look a little bit more into this. Uh, in, you know, in the garden, 
Jesus prayed, Father, your will, not mine. He even, you know, he asked for the burden of the cross to be taken away, but in the end, he put, Christ, he put God above himself. He said, your will, not mine, and was willing to even go to the cross. Um, you don't have to turn there, um, but earlier in Luke, we read chapter 9, and verses 23 through 26 say, Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross, it must take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory um, and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So we must daily acknowledge and daily be willing to commit to the cross. We must daily be willing um, to follow Christ and follow his calling. Um, We have to daily acknowledge his superiority, his priority in our life. Um, I remember when I was in college, I was talking with some of my roommates, and we were talking about this verse, and we were talking about how it, it, it really is daily. I mean, every morning, in order for me to really have my right priorities, I've got, I've got to get on my knees and pray, and I've got to study Scripture, and I've really got to focus and say, okay, God, you are the center of today. Whatever, you, whatever your will is, lead me into it and show me what you want me to do. And uh, we were talking that sometimes it even feels like every hour we've got to do that. Like, do it in the morning, and then you get to work and forget about it, and then you're like, oh, oh no, I need to focus and, and you know, carry your, your cross, per se. Um, so we must daily do that and be consistent in that. That's part of the cost of being a disciple is being consistent in doing that. Um, Matthew ten thirty seven through 39 says the same thing in a slightly different way. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, Christ right here is really contrasting between the spiritual and the physical. Um, Whoever loses his life and becomes lower than Christ will find his life in Christ. Um, So, Let's be clear here. Um, at the time Jesus is saying this, he's got this big crowd following him. Um, he is very clearly saying to them that they have to get rid of all of their positions, uh, possessions and follow him. I mean, to the 12 disciples he called left everything they had. They left family, they left friends, they left career, they left possessions, they left home, left everything and followed Jesus all out. Um, the same thing would, would have been the case for anyone following him in that crowd that wanted to continue following him. They would have had to just forgo everything, leave it all behind, and follow Christ. I'm not saying here that, and he's not, not meaning in, in our time that, okay, I have to sell all of my comfortable and lovely possessions, I have to leave, and I have to go be a missionary in Africa. <laughs> like That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that we have to get rid of everything we have and follow him, but we have to be willing to do that. We can't have such a high value on our possessions that we're not willing to get rid of them. We can't find our comfort and our peace and our, our pleasure in the things that we own or the position that we have. We can't have our um, priority be our career. It's got to be Christ. It has to be Christ. 
Um, we have to be willing to forsake all that we know, all that we hold dear, all that we hold comfortable, all the comfort that we love to follow Christ and do what he's called us to do and to follow his calling. Um, you know, so I want to make sure, though, that that is not, you know, I'm not saying to keep all of your things. What I'm saying is um, I want to be clear that it's not an excuse to keep all of your things. Don't use this as an excuse to, to place a higher value on them than you should. You've got to um, be willing, have the willingness to get rid of them um, and do what he's called. Uh, I think our church has done a, a great job of this. You know, I, I really think of, we, we hold Greg and Rachel in high esteem um, just because of how awesome they were here and all the things they've done to, uh, for us here. Um, and, you know, they wanted to stay in Athens. They wanted so desperately to stay here and stay a part of this church. You know, even talking to them now, they miss Athens. They miss us. They miss this place. They miss what God was doing here. But it was so clear that God was calling Greg and Rachel to Birmingham. And they were willing to follow that. And they were willing to, you know, give up their, their life here in Athens and everything they were doing here to move. Um, and that was not easy. I mean, they're still uncomfortable. There are still a lot of things there that they don't like. Um, they miss Athens. But they were willing to just let it go here and go where God was calling them to, to go. Um, you know, the church we work with in Mexico, they have a full-time mission team. And a lot of the, the college-aged kids will have to, there's a, I guess, I don't know if we call it an internship or whatever you want to call it, but there's a, a two-year mission term where they join a mission team for two years. And for those two years, they, they are sustained by their mission work. They don't go home and eat with their family every night. They don't sleep in a comfortable bed every night. A lot of times they sleep on the ground. I mean, um, sometimes they'll go out for seven days without any provisions and pray that the Lord provides for them. And so they're willing to, for, to forgo all those things and follow and do what Christ has called them to do. Um, in the same way, we have to be willing to do that. And you know, we have to be willing to use the things that we have to glorify God. Um, you know, to carry your cross even means to live so all out for Christ that you're willing to even die on a cross in shame. Not that that really happens so much today, but there are plenty of people who die for their faith. And we have to be willing to do that. Um, in America, you know, we're very safe and comfortable, and it's easy really um, to recognize or, or to find peace and forget about, I guess, the other, um, other side where, where people, where Christians are not really welcome. Um, and it's easy to, to forget about that. Um, but people do still die for our, their faith um, all the time. Um, again, Christ has not called everyone to go be a missionary, um, but he has called everyone to share the gospel here. Um, and that's often uncomfortable. It's often uncomfortable to share the gospel. Um, now, when Jesus does call us to do something, when we are all called to um, do work for Jesus, it doesn't mean that we just do it unwisely and with great haste and just jump right into it. You know, we're not, you know, our church is even organized. It's not like we come here and just do whatever we want. Um, so we see two examples here of, of you figuring out what it takes to follow Jesus' calling. It's not a decision that's made spontaneously, spur of the moment. There's a lot of thought and contemplation that goes into it. 
So if we look at verses 28 and 30. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Um, saying, this man began to build it and was not able to finish. So there are a few people I know, um, I know very well who at one point were really solid Christ followers, were really like, seemed to be on fire for Christ, and, but they eventually let their own desires and their own priorities take the place of Christ in their lives. And they ended up sl- slipping. And what ended up happening in their lives is they ended up losing their testimony and losing their effect- effectiveness to share the gospel. Um, that's what he means here with, with about counting the cost is um, staying strong, persevering, um, continuing on um, even when it's hard. Um, people were excited to see what was happening in these people's lives um, and what their tower was going to look like. Um, you know, people like me would, would pray for them and um, advocate for them and really uh, push them. Um, and now it's really sad and almost embarrassing sometimes to, to think about where they were and where they are now. Um, you know, they never finished the race. And to be honest, what ends up happening is their testimony is permanently damaged. You know, the people, the person I'm specifically thinking of will never be able to go back to where he was before he replaced Christ with other priorities. Uh, that does not mean Christ can't redeem him from where he is now. And we'll, we'll talk about that um, where we talk about salt. Um, you know, this is what he means when he says salt, which was good but lost its saltiness. It cannot fill, fulfill its original purpose. Um, you know, it says specifically, men throw it out. So God is able to redeem those things, um, the people who have fallen away. But um, they have fallen away, and they cannot, they're not, their original testimony has been damaged. Um, let's look at Luke. Again, I'm, I'm sticking with Luke a lot because we've, we've studied it and looked at it. Let's look at Luke 8, chapter 8, verse 4 through 8. Again, great multitude following Jesus. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow, to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears, let him hear. Um... And if you look a little further on in those verses, he explains that parable in a little more detail. So if we look at verse 13, he says that the person who does not count the cost, which, which this is not Jesus' words here, we'll, we'll actually read his words here. Verse 13. Um, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time, in a, in time of temptation fall away. Um, that's really what he means by counting the cost. Um, there are a lot of people who receive the word with, with great joy immediately, and they carry on for a few years or 
a, a certain amount of time, and then eventually they fall away because the temptation gets too great. They didn't count the cost fully, and they didn't pay the price to be um, a consistent Christ follower, and they allowed temptation into their lives um, to take the place, or they allowed their sin to take place over, over Christ. Um, and so they, they withered and fell away. Um, the person who does not count the cost is like that seed that fell on the rock. Um, they hear the word and rejoice, but it's only momentary because um, they weren't willing to pay the price. So the next part, a king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he's able to able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. It's the same kind of thing. He, he prepares and recognizes the threat that's coming or the, the price that it would pay, take to go to war. And then he, he decides one way or another to either go to war or send a delegation of peace because he knows he can't win it. Um. <clears throat> so let's look at verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So again, that's, this is kind of what we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, but we're not called to get rid of everything we own to follow Jesus um, at the time Jesus said this, he was literally calling those people to forsake everything and follow him. Um, and with us, he's calling us to be willing to do that. Um, you know, we don't physically have Jesus here that we can follow around. Um, we have his spirit that we have to, to heed. <clears throat> so, earlier this morning... At the beginning, we talked about an Olympic athlete and how he has to train and how he has to work really hard um, to achieve this gold medal. Following Jesus is not easy. It's similar. Um, it requires great sacrifice. You must put Christ and his will above your desires, above your family, above your career, above everything. It requires great discipline. Um, you must be consistent in studying scripture, prayer, and fellowship with other believers You've got to be willing to drop whatever you're doing to share the gospel at any given time. And that's, even, that's really hard, especially for me. I get so focused on work sometimes where an opportunity opens up with the person. I share an office with three people. And like sometimes someone will say something in there, and I'm just so focused on work, I just ignore what they say. And it was actually a door into sharing the gospel with them or at least figuring out more about their lives and building a relationship. Um, so we've got to be willing to drop whatever we're doing to share the gospel. Um, and that's part of the cost of being a disciple as well, is sharing the gospel. I mean, if we've really received the gospel and understand um, the relationship that we have with Jesus and what he's done for us, we, we will be willing and excited to share the gospel. We've got to be willing to, to do that above all else. In fact, that is our top priority, is to share the gospel. Um, you know, so we, following Christ clearly takes a lot of sacrifice of your own desires, but it does come with a great, great reward, um, which we talked about a little bit earlier. But with that, this, this great cost, the, the coolest thing is, is that the greatest cost has already been paid. Like the, the division that we had from, from God, the separation that we had, has already been mended. Like there's nothing we could do to get past that separation from God. Um, you know, there was, there's nothing you can do to get 
right with God. Um, there was no cost. It was too costly. There was nothing, even if you gave your life, it wasn't enough to um, bring you in right relationship with Christ. Um, the coolest thing is, is Christ already paid the greatest cost. He died on the cross for us and made that gap uh, nothing. He took the gap away so that we can have a right relationship with God. Um, he defeated sin. He defeated death. Um, he died on the cross, and he put all of his desires away and suffered and died on the cross for us. And we need to follow that example um, in sacrificing all the things that we hold dear, all the things that we love and follow him wholeheartedly. Um, you know, if we truly understand the, our salvation, if we truly understand the, the sacrifice Christ made on the cross, um, we should be really excited to pay the cost of being a disciple. We should be really excited to do what it takes to follow Christ. We should be really excited to, you know, early in the early church when the, the disciples suffered and were beat and whipped for sharing the gospel, they, they said they um, praised the Lord because they were able to suffer shame for the name of Christ. Um, we have to be willing to do that. Um, you know, we have to be, we talk about all the time how God's love language is obedience. We have to be obedient to the word. We have to be obedient to his will. Um, and in order to be obedient, we have to be willing first. We have to be willing to be obedient. Um, you know, following Jesus has a, has a cost, um, but salvation is simply a choice. Uh, it's, a, it's a choice just to believe in Jesus. Do you believe who he says he is? Do you believe that he is a son of God? Do you believe that he's done the things he says he's done? Do you believe he died on the cross? Do you believe he paid for our sin? Um, do you believe he rose again? Um, do you believe that that happening brings us into right, right relationship with God if we believe, if we trust? Um, and if that's the case, we should really want nothing more than to be with Christ and to follow his calling in our lives. Um, So, that's all I got. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Um, I thank you for your, for your great love for us. And God, I thank you so much for the price you paid on the cross. Lord, I, I thank you that you were willing to do, your, to do the Father's will, to, to suffer and die for our sin. Thank you that you are willing to leave your heavenly throne and come down and be like us and be among us. Thank you for being willing to suffer. Thank you for paying the price of, of our sin. Thank you for overcoming sin. God, I pray that we would this morning recognize um, the price that you've really paid. I pray that we would Acknowledge your position above our, uh, above our priorities at the top. And that we would be willing to forsake everything and follow you. And that's really hard because we have a lot of stuff. And a lot of times that can cloud us and, and create a lot of distractions. So Lord, I pray that we would be able to see through those and see Jesus for who he is. And follow him because you're worthy. And it's really, the least we can do is give our lives to you. 
because of what you've done for us. So Lord, I pray that during this time that we would keep our eyes fixed on you, that we would give you all the glory that you deserve, all the glory that we can, that we would worship you in spirit and truth, and that as we go forward from here, Lord, that we would keep our eyes fixed on you and persevere through all the distractions and all the things that we can put above you. Help us to put you first in our lives. Love you and praise you. In Jesus' name.